0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to another episode of So Married Horror Fan. It is October, it is spooky season. We are in the mood, you are in the mood. I'm one of your co-hosts, Simon. I'm Lee. And today it's another 5x5! Five five. I am excited about this one. Simon has been
1: mainlining energy drink, we are
0: concerned about him. Um so we are looking at today our top five modern horror directors. Um and when we say modern, I set a parameter on this. We had to set it for within the last 20 years. So between 2003 and 2023. um, And the parameters were it could be a director of any type as long as they have released or started releasing horror movies within the last 20 years. Um, I think I did mine slightly differently to yours because mine was slightly more analytical. I looked at directors that I loved. But I also looked at the impacts they had on the genre over the last 20 years and how much of that filmography was actually horror movies. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not having some fucking geezer out here who's like, yeah, man, I've been doing action movies for like 10 years and now I did one horror movie. I'm like, no, get so, out. So
1: unlike Simon, I just went for the, oh, I like this one. This one's mine. I'm going to have this on my list. Thank you, mate. As per usual, Simon so will have a really well thought out reasoning behind why something is on his list. And I will just go, because I think they're cool.
0: I just want to tell you guys right now, just so that you're not fucking shocked when I do my list, my list does not contain the following people, Jordan Peele, Ari Aster, or Radio Silence. Yeah. Suppose. So, there you go. I knew, I knew, I told you that you were going to be shocked by some inclusions. I
1: mean, I wouldn't call it a shock. I'm just like,
0: yeah. I, see, so the reason, I will explain this, the reason- I re-
1: don't, no, babe, it's fine. You don't need to explain why you haven't included people. Because otherwise we will be here forever going. And also we didn't include this person. It's, it's only...
0: It's, it's going to take Okay, minutes. we'll
1: do it quickly then. The
0: only reason why I didn't include Ari Aster and Jordan Peele was because at the moment they've only released two horror movies.
1: Okay.
0: And I was like, and they've released them within the last five years or six okay. years. So I was like, it doesn't really count. Okay. But there we go. So, do you want me to go first this time or do you want to go first this you time? You go first this time. I could go first. Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, if this is your first time listening to a five by five, this is how it works. I pick a topic, then we go and make a list based on that topic. So we go and make our top five and three honourable mentions. Somebody will go first, do their three honourable mentions and their number five. Next person will do the same and then we go one a piece until we get to the end of the list. If there is something on the list that is lower on my list and higher on Lee's list, we will wait till we get there and then we will talk about it when we get there. Same and vice versa. Um, So I am going to kick things off today with my honourable mentions. So my number three honourable mention, Lee Janiac. No, you're good. Uh, She's made four movies. She made Honeymoon and she made the three Fear Street movies, all of which came out in the last nine years. However, she did such a fucking good job on those Fear Street movies. They were for the culture. They were a summer event. I just think she should direct everything. New Friday the 13th movie, Lee Janiac. New Halloween movie, Lee Janiac. Everything should be Lee Janiac all the time. No. It Um, shouldn't. That's terrible.
1: That's a terrible decision. And she
0: did some of the best episodes of the Scream TV series as well. I am very excited to see what she does next. Um, My number two honourable mention had to be an honourable mention because even though I love his films so much... Um, I think he le- leans a little bit too much on the comedy rather than the actual horror. But I put Christopher Landon, okay. who is the director of the Happy Death Day franchise, Freaky, oh, We Have a Ghost, etc. And I think I love Happy Death Day and I love Freaky. But I do think that I would love to see what a genuinely like scary movie from him looks like. And yes, I know he directed Paranormal Activity 4, but I would like to see him do something a little more serious even though I know that's not his brand of horror but the films that he has made I am a very big fan of so that's why he made my honourable mentions list. My number one honourable mention is probably going to be a controversial choice because I've included him at all but given what he's done over the last 20 years I couldn't include him not include him in some capacity. Um, Sir Robert of House Zombie um, because yeah, Rob Zombie is fucking massively divisive, but House of, Thang- House of a Thousand Corpses, fucking banger. Devil's Reject, fucking banger. People hate that Halloween remake, but up until recently, the Halloween remake was the highest grossing August movie for like fucking Labor Day weekend or some shit. And it's the only movie in history to ever have a Yellow Band trailer. Like he just made the monsters. That's a Yellow Band. So it's not quite a red band trailer. It's not quite a green band trailer. They had to like invent a new type of trailer to show footage from it. Um, I don't really know though. Cause, because it's the only movie to ever have one. Information is like scarce on the internet about it. It was like an internet only trailer. But it was like yellow band for some reason. I remember when it happened. Um, I know he's divisive. And I know people hate him. But I think all of his movies are horror movies. And I think he has a level of consistency to him. That even though some of his movies have dropped off. He has a massive fan base and he has people that love him. Um, I am one of those people. I like half of his filmography, but I love his music as well. Um, so I th- feel like I had to include him in the list just because of his place in the culture. Uh, number five. <laughs> this is where I lose you immediately. Ty West.
1: Yeah, you've lost me. Come
0: the fuck on. I'm going a nap. You, you, you go. So Ty West. Uh, Pearl was okay. X was okay. Um, but House of the Devil fucking banger. Um, He did really great stuff with the VHS franchise. He did really good stuff in the ABCs of Death. And as, as I say, I love House of the Devil. But the movie for me that cemented him on this list, The Sacrament genuinely one of the scariest movies I have ever fucking seen. I
1: always forget he's the dude behind the sacrament. So... That movie is fucking terrifying. You know,
0: as much as I... And like the innkeepers as well. As much as I thought X was good, I thought it was a little overhyped. And I didn't think Pearl was a horror movie in the traditional sense as much as it was a character study. I do think he is... Every time he makes a movie, he consistently knocks it out of the park. And like, I think it is a fucking crime that we are 10 years down the line from the release of The Sacrament and that movie has all been but forgotten because it's genuinely fucking terrifying yeah, and it's it unnerving is. and I'll probably never watch it ever again. Mm-hmm. And to me, his movies aren't like massive fucking blockbusters. Like he's not going to be out there making like fucking conjuring money, but his movies are always effective. They're always really well directed. and like that always scary as shit. Um you know, and he's he's another one of those people that's on the on the growing list of let's turn Jennifer Ortega into a pincushion. <laughs> so yeah, my number five, Ty West. Cool. So gone then. What?
1: So my uh, three honorable mentions coming in at number three. For all of his sins, and my dis- dis- distaste for things that he has done, uh, he does he had done two films that I rather enjoy, so I put it on my honorable mentions. Adam
0: Wingard. Not on my list. Surprisingly, I fucking came this close. I was like, "That's my box. only
1: kids. I really do enjoy your next, and I also think the VHS, front, the VHS first one is that, that wraparound's actually pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, however, he's only a normal mention because fuck you for what you did to Death Note.
0: The guest is also great, and Blair Witch. So I haven't I'm about seen to either that other, of those, half of that.
1: so I can't really comment. Uh, number two on my honorable mentions is here because he scared the bejesus out of me one time, and also I do recognise what an influence he has had on kind of modern horror, as James Wan. We're punning. Punning. I did figure we would be. And then my number one.
0: Did he? What movie schedule was it? The
1: Yeah, fucking terrified the shit out of me. Uh, and then number one, my um, honourable mentions, uh, again, I've only seen one, one film, one horror film by this person. I think maybe the only horror film, maybe, no, that's not true, because I know we're going to be watching another one of theirs, um, is Karen Kusama.
0: Yes, Karen Kusama. She nearly made my list. I put Lee Janieck in front of her, because Lee X had more directing yeah, experience. that's
1: fair. Um, Jennifer's Body is fantastic. Fuck a fucking masterpiece! And we
0: covered the invitation way, way, way back in fucking March.
1: Oh yeah, that was a thing. That was a thing we did.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Honestly, we are now like way past that. I'd kind of forgotten we'd watched
0: it. Yeah, and that's the reason why she didn't make my list for the same reasons that Jordan Peele and Ari Aster is just because of the sheer amount of films that they've directed. Like,
1: yeah, but Jennifer's Body.
0: It's
1: a good film. Jennifer's Body is great. Uh, and then my number five, my actual number five on the list. Um, I feel like maybe I have made yours again for the same reason of the amount that they have done. Mm-hmm. But although I didn't particularly like one of them, I did really enjoy the original, the first film he did on the first watch, which is David Brokner.
0: Yeah, I mean, Brook Daddy was one of the ones that I nearly put on the list. Yeah.
1: Um. So. I feel like Bruckner's is one of those films that either suffers directors. What did I say?
0: You said Bruckner's is one of those films.
1: <laughs> He's one of those films.
0: <laughs> He's that a film. Either
1: guys. suffers from repeat viewings or earns from repeat viewings. Yeah. Um, but I think that he has quite a distinctive style to his directing. Which is the main reason I put them on the list. For, as everyone knows at this point, I don't really give a shit about directors. Not fast, Unless there is something about that director that specifically talks to that film being made by the director. David Bruckner has a thing that you watch film and you go, this is a Bruckner film, right?
0: Yeah. It, red and blue, red and, red red and blue,
1: blue, red and blue. Uh, red and blue. That's <laughs> exactly what it is, but you can tell instantaneously. Yeah. Oh, this is a Bruckner film. Look at that lighting. Look at the choice of how like that shot has been done. Look at that like the lighting used there. Um, it's really fucking distinctive, oh. and that's what you kind of like. We've discussed this numerous times. I don't really give a shit one way or another on directors. And uh, like, there are directors that I will specifically watch shit that they have made because I haven't really enjoyed their previous films. But Bruckner does have like. <sighs> a distinctive um directing style thank you <laughs> like falling asleep
0: yeah and like to be fair like i've gone back and watched his hellraiser movie a couple of times and i'm like there are pockets of greatness in that hellraiser movie and to be honest i don't think hellraiser suffers because of him no the direction like, no way i think hellraiser suffers because the of the fucking performances and the, 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 script. the scripting um but the Nighthouse is a fucking all-timer. It's the Nighthouse is an absolute film. GOAT film. Um, and this is the
1: thing, is Bruckness shoots really beautiful films. Yeah.
0: I'll tell you someone who did fucking surprise me when they became a horror director, and I don't think they're gonna be on your list, so we can talk about them very, very briefly. Um, fucking John Krasinski, when he smashed out yeah, those two no, fucking quiet place movies, I didn't even back. think
1: about Krasinski. He should have been on my list. They fucking love those films. I was
0: like, I did not think that he had horror in him. Yeah. But like those two movies are fucking like imp- there's like obviously dumb character choices in them, but they're fucking very well made. Mm-hmm. Um so my number 4 uh is another controversial choice, but based on my own parameters and my love of that early work, it was inevitable that they were going to make it on my list. Uh Eli Roth. So I am a huge fan of Cabin Fever and I am a huge fan of The First Hostel movie. And I will admit that he has fallen off a cliff in the last few years. You know, um, we obviously all heard that Borderlands... He went off to go and make Thanksgiving. So they handed off the reshoots of Borderlands to, like, somebody else. Um, and then obviously... He, but the thing is with him is he he has maintained a level of, like, I guess, consistency. It's just that his films have massively gone down in popularity. <coughs> like... He obviously pioneered a franchise with Hostel and helped to bring a subgenre to light with Torture Porn. Then he went away for a little while, came back with like The Green Inferno, he did Knock Knock which both came out in the same year. He his ill-advised remake of Death Wish, but then he did Proved that much like Rob Zombie, that he could make a family-friendly film, and he went and made *The House of the Clock and Its Walls*, which, as a kid-friendly horror movie, and is actually film. really fucking good. Really enjoyed
1: *House of the Clock*. And, its and walls. it sh-
0: it shows that he can work with like special effects. He can work in the parameters of like family-friendly, and like he can actually still direct a pretty solid film. Um, but I described him the other day because I was talking about uh, the Splat Pack guys with someone the other day. And I was like, everybody thought he was going to be the next guy. Everybody thought he was going to be the guy that was going to go on for years and become like the next Carpenter or Craven or you know Argento. And I think he got lazy and I think he got complacent and I think he got distracted with other things. Um, and I've I've always kind of viewed him, now watching him outside of being a fanboy years later, is he feels like the Tarantino of horror to me in the sense that his movies... While they have enough original elements in them, it feels like he just steals ideas from other people and then changes just enough to kind of be like, "Hey, man!" Because like his knock, "knock knock" is basically an American remake of another film. Uh, the Green Inferno is a remake of Cannibal Holocaust. He remade Death Wish, so you know I think that's why in the in the last few years he fell off. But I did. There was a point where I was fucking obsessed with him, and you cannot deny the impact that movies like Cabin Fever and Hostel had on the horror landscape when they came out. And for that, I think he earns his place on the list. Fair. Who's your number My four? My Mate. I'm
1: really sorry. Is that Jordan Peel? Oh. Mostly for Get Out. Partially for us. Definitely not for Nope.
0: Yeah. I See, I don't consider Nope a horror movie. That's why I said he uh, he's only directed two horror movies in my eyes.
1: Yeah, there seems to be some disagreement back and forth on whether Nope is a horror movie or not. So I'm just going to class it and yeah. you do whatever the fuck you please with that. Uh, Get Out is a fucking modern masterpiece. Oh yeah, Get Out's
0: amazing. It's fantastic. I'm never going to argue with Ours that.
1: Ours is a... Up until the last ten minutes is a fucking modern masterpiece. They're both amazing films, and Jordan Peele again has a really distinctive style mm-hmm. of directing, and apparently also directs in character sometimes, which I find yeah. hilarious.
0: I can't remember what set it was. I it think was, it was when nope. he said nope. Yeah, he, he did, did like
1: star my star Michael Magic Jackson Jr. Yeah, or he did. He did star Magic Jackson
0: correct. Jr. He did um, Tracy. What's his name? Uh, the the comedian. Um,
1: oh yeah, Tracy... No, it's gone, but I know Yeah, and else.
0: then he used to do Obama as well. He would direct certain scenes as Obama, which I think is really fucking hilarious.
1: I, I do honestly think he has like a really good eye for direction, and I just think he's a really good filmmaker. But Nope was terrible, and I really hated it. So take from that what you will.
0: See, I think I think if we were looking at like forces in horror, like horror creatives rather than directors, he would have made my list... Because of, like, him producing Lovecraft Country, The Twilight Zone, writing and producing Candyman. Like, I think with, like, Nope as well. I think if we'd looked at, like, overall horror creatives, he would have made my list. But the fact that, like, he's only made two horror movies and they both came out within the last six years makes me kind of go... (sighs) We need to. I need to see more to mm-hmm. kind of like justify a place under this because okay. he might just go and make fucking action movies after this.
1: He can do what he wants.
0: Don't <laughs> yeah. we care. Um. So yeah, my number three is Scott Derrickson. Um. So Scott Derrickson directed the Exorcism of Emily Rose. He made Hellraiser Inferno. He made Deliver Us from Evil, Sinister, and The Black Phone, as well as Doctor Strange, the first Doctor Strange movie. Um, I think, and he's going to be doing a segment from VHS 85, which is out this month. Um, I think Scott Derrickson is a fucking fascinating director. Um, because he's kind of always done horror, but he's not. When people talk about horror directors, they don't ever really bring him up, even though, according to science, Sinister's the scariest movie ever made. And, like, The Black Phone is fucking incredible. The Black Phone was my favourite, like, one of my favourite horror movies of last year. Um, And I think he's a really great director because he's not super flashy. He's not super, like, jump scary. Like, he uses tension and he builds tension. And I think he does a lot of really great character work. And he, he works on scenes that build tension through character work and character choices rather than, oh, shit, there's a jump scare. Because if you look at a film like The Black Phone, The Black Phone's got fucking zero jump scares in it, really. And it's all character work. But it's fucking terrifying. Um, And like Sinister, there are a couple of jump scares in it. But I think the idea of what Sinister is, is frightening. And like he, I'm, I'm really gutted that we didn't get to see what his version of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness would have looked like. As much as I love Sam Raimi's version, I'd have liked to have known what Scott Derrickson would have done with like a character like Nightmare, where he was going to take Mordo, what more horror elements he would have injected into it. And I think he's definitely one of those horror directors that doesn't get his his flowers, and I think more people should be, like, looking into his work. Sinister especially, uh, Exorcism of Emily Rose, is basically an exorcism case, but it's done like a courtroom drama, and it's fucking incredible. And Deliver Us From Evil is, is like, a low-key banger as well. So, yeah, my number three, Scott Derrickson, just because he's a fucking legend, and I love him.
1: Now, I do feel like my my top three, uh, people could take a bet on now and probably be correct. So... We'll go in at number three. My number three, actually, maybe not. I feel like my number three may have been one of those where people are like, "Oh, really?" I feel
0: like one of your number three is going to be in my top three, but I don't think it's who you think it's going to be. But maybe it's not what you
1: think it is. I don't know if it will be. Actually. Okay,
0: well, let's go. Uh,
1: my number three is McGee. <coughs> <laughs> You're right. Is this because we watched those Charlie's Angels films?
0: I really want to hear your fucking defence for this.
1: Do you know what? I don't have to defend it at all. I fucking love those Babysitter movies.
0: Are they the only horror movies he's done?
1: Yeah. Okay. Babysitter, Babysitter, Killer Queen. They are fun Really 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 fucking well shot, especially that second one like I will praise the first movie from front to back I love it. It It's a single location horror movie. It's great That second one goes in wild fucking directions and some of the shots used in that film because they are using the wilderness work so fucking well Especially like the uh, my favorite one in the film will always be when they're doing the campfire moment where mm-hmm. fucking um I can't think what her character is called b no not b that's at the end of the film also General like, like Ort's character. character um is like talking to the dude who is definitely not going to try and sexually assault her yeah, and fucking Han may Lee's character shows up. Um, And they do like the whole sequence of like them with bonfire and the snake under the car. That entire thing is so well shot. And then that end sequence with the panning shot of all of the fucking um, effigies burning Mm. and bee rising out of the water. They're so well put together and really well shot. And I really love the way McG shoots in general. Uh, Charlie's Angels is again very similarly shot, I know they're not great films, they are terrible fucking films, but he does again very similar shots with like how parts of it are done uh, the cutaways as well, like the weird dance sequences used or like the scene in the second one where fucking General Ortega and the fucking kid whose name escapes me are defo having sex but they do like the weird dance number with like mm. the acid trip visuals It's just really fun and it gives a film something very different. Uh, And uh, yeah, make a change.
0: You can tell even after three years of this podcast, Lee still hasn't seen a lot of horror films. No. My number two...
1: It's not that I've seen quite a lot, but I just haven't seen a lot of modern directed horror films. Do you know how hard this list is put together when you're like, they have to have just started doing horror in the last 20 years? I was like, are you fucking joking me? Because most horror directors have been working solidly mm. for like at least the last 25 to 30 in the horror genre.
0: Yeah. So my number two is someone who's definitely not going to be on your list because I already know what your number two and number one are already. <laughs>
1: My number two and number one comes as a surprise to nobody
0: at all. My number two is Sir Michael of House Flanagan.
1: He very nearly made it on my list, but I have only seen one thing by Mike Flanagan, and I was like, I kind of can't.
0: Flanagan is the goat.
1: Yeah, I've only seen... Um, um, what's it?
0: Oculus, banger. Ouija Origin of Evil, banger. No. Doctor Sleep, banger. No. Um... House on Haunted Hill. I haven't no. The Haunting of Hill House. Um Midnight Mass banger. Um the only thing of his that I didn't the only thing of his that I've watched that I didn't like.
1: Midnight
0: Club. Was the Midnight Club.
1: That though I don't think was down to him. It was beautifully shot but the pl- the plot just wasn't very interesting. Yeah.
0: Um and I may go back and rewatch it yeah, just to I'm kind go of back see and how give I it felt. Um he he made two incredible Stephen King adaptations. Gerald's Game which is fucking phenomenal. He made Doctor Sleep, which is one of my favourite Stephen King adaptations, hands down. And it is one of the most brilliant, esoteric, existential, like, just all-encompassing, fucking impeccably made horror movies that I've ever seen in my entire life. I think everything about that movie works. As a sequel to The Shining, an adaptation of the book, as a a sequel to two versions of The Shining, the film and the fucking uh, book version, I think... I think Mike Flanagan is—he's kind of like the anti-version of Chris Chris Landon. Chris Landon makes films that are like heartfelt but funny and emotional, whereas Mike Flanagan makes those kind of movies. Mike Flanagan is basically Ari Aster with empathy. Yeah. He makes these movies that like are terrifying and tense and scary. And you'll be sat there, like, gnawing your fingernails off one minute because you're so scared by what he's put on screen. But then in the next minute, you'll be crying over a woman lamenting, like, the loss of her baby and wondering, like, what her baby's doing in heaven without her and how long it's going to be before they're reunited. Yeah, man. And, like, there's something about Mike Flanagan. You can tell that Mike Flanagan is a director's director, but he's also a writer's writer because the dialogue, the characterization everything about Mike Flanagan works and you can tell people like Mike Flanagan in the horror industry and that they don't like Rob Zombie because both of those men include their wives in all of their work and only one of them gets shit on for it and I'll let you guess which one it is um but it's just he just there's something about him his work is absolutely magic and he is adapting the dark tower he's doing the dark tower and i have absolute faith that if anybody can crack the dark tower for a film and tv adaptation it's mike flanagan um and i will always be a stanigan for flanagan so there you go that's my number two i love you mike hey
1: so my number two is
0: radio silence there we
1: go nobody's surprised everyone now knows what my number one is if they hadn't figured it out before um. Yeah. Radio silence. To be fair, I I don't think anyone expected anything else from me. To be honest, uh, radio silence have my favourite segment in the first VHS movie.
0: Really, even better than you'd like. Prefer it to siren. Yeah. Oh wow!
1: That that final segment in the VHS, <laughs> the first VHS movie, is fucking delightful. It's the fact that
0: one of them stressed like the unibop. <laughs> no,
1: he's just so much fun and goes really wild well places. Uh, ready or not,
0: here I come. You can't hide.
1: I'm gonna burn you
0: and make you me
1: is a delight from beginning to end. Scream five
0: and Scream six.
1: Oh, talk about Scream seven. Why can't Is a masterpiece from beginning to end. I really love it. I think they made some really great choices with it. Scream six, a masterpiece. Uh, And I really love it. I think they made some great choices. I just, to be fair, there is very little I think those boys could do at this point where I would just be like, no, I don't like it. I think it's just going to be like, oh, it's my boys. Like they did a pretty new thing.
0: (laughs) So this was probably a shock to you that they weren't on my list.
1: I kinda of figured they wouldn't be to be
0: honest. So I have made no bones about the fact that I like Radio Silence, but the reason why they're not on my list, and it goes back to a conversation we had recently, is the the work that they've done. So yes, I agree with you. Like the segment they did of VHS, brilliant. Devil's Jew, mm, it's I a fucking It's it. a found footage, devil baby movie with Zach Guilford in it. It's not great.
1: I like Zach Guilford.
0: And then obviously Southbound is really good. But then my problem with them is they kind of like got into the Adam Wingard thing or they started doing franchise work. And I love Ready or Not. I really enjoyed Scream 5 and I really like Scream 6. My problem is anybody could make a Scream movie. Now, before people come for me, franchise horror is a really easy thing to do. You just cast, you just, you just work within a framework. And I'm not saying that they didn't, but like if you look at if you look at Scream 5, and if anybody else had directed Scream 5, Scream 5 pays so much homage to Wes Craven that his ghost may as well have fucking directed that movie. And like Scream 6, yes, feels different for obvious reasons. But what I'm saying is, I want to see what they're gonna do with more original work. Because at the moment, they're going they're going on to do Escape from New York. They're probably gonna do Scream 7. Um, And I just feel concerned that they're going to become like franchise guys. They're going to start doing like, oh, we're going to do a remake of Escape from New York. Oh, we're going to do Scream 7. Oh, we're going to do this other thing. And fair enough, do whatever the fuck you want. Like, it's your career. It's your prerogative, your choices at the end of the day. But I feel like for guys that made such an impact, like Bruckner did, like Adam Wingard did, these guys fell into like making franchises quite quickly. Like Adam fucking Wingard went and did back-to-back Godzilla versus Kong movies. He's going to go and do Face Off. Like Bruckner did Hellraiser. He'll probably do a Hellraiser sequel if they offer it to him. And like these guys have such great original ideas. And Ready or Not feels like a Radio Silence movie. The Scream movies do not so much because they're playing in other people's sandboxes. And while I recognise that they're good directors, I want to see more original work from them, which is why they didn't make my list.
1: Okay,
0: yeah. Fucking teddy bear Unabombers. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I knew they were going to be on your list because I know that you really like them. And I wanted to see them do the reunion, dude. Like that movie that they were going to make after Scream about like the thing at a fucking high school reunion. Um, so it's fairly obvious at this point who my number one is. <clears throat> For those of you that have been paying all of the attention, my number one is James Wan. Um... What can I say? I don't think anybody has had a bigger impact on horror in the last 20 years than James Wan, for a variety of different reasons. Um, I think his directing work is fucking phenomenal. I think his production work is phenomenal. But who else in the last 20 years has launched three commercially successful horror franchises? He launched Saw in 2004 he launched Insidious in 2010, and then he launched the Conjuring universe, which, as we speak, is the most financially successful horror franchise of all time. Hmm. Um, and then he went and made fucking the highest grossing Fast and Furious movie of all time. And then he went and made two Aquaman movies. But then just looking at his own body of work, Saw, Death Sentence, Dead Silence... Insidious, Insidious 2, Cundren, Cundren 2, Malignant. Come on. And I think that's why he's on my list. Not only is he great, you recognize a James Wan movie the minute you see it. Like, his movies are so distinct, so interesting. He does a lot of
1: slow fades and, like, ceiling drops.
0: Yeah. And, like, who the fuck else is going to make a movie like Malignant and then do those, like, aerial shots where it's like you can see the plans of the house as people like walk around it and shit like that malignant is a trash bag banana balls movie Yet he's doing like really flashy shit in that movie like it's like really impressive mm-hmm. um and then as i say like he, he his work's usually cr- critically well re- received but also commercially like the man just fucking is a banger factory like he just smashes out like stuff that's like you know there's now 10 saw movies five insidious movies and 900 movies. Like, if you include all the Annabelle shit and stuff as well. But, like, yeah, I just think the guy's a fucking genius. And I think he is the closest thing that this generation has produced to a perfect hybrid of Wes Craven and Alfred Hitchcock. And I think when it's all said and done, in 30, 40 years' time, people will still be studying movies like Saw and The Conjuring and Malignant. And looking at why they were so successful and looking at the things that he does, like you say, the camera tricks, the way that he presents characters, the way that he, like, creates tension and stuff like that. And I just think for that reason, he is my favourite modern horror director working today, hands down, bar none. So go on.
1: So my one. To nobody's shock or or surprise,
0: Ariaster. I was
1: about to say it's Ariaster.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I it's... knew you. I knew. I knew, <laughs> dude.
1: <laughs> it's Josh Rubin. Is anyone surprised? No. So, literally, I think Josh Rubin is a big part of the reason why I honestly have agreed to keep doing this podcast for so fucking long, because I'm just hoping he
0: releases something else that I can cover. Well, he's got that new movie coming out with Jasmine Savoy-Brown. And
1: And Tatiana Maslany. Yes. Green Bank. Yes. Which sounds very good. It's a sci-fi horror. We'll be putting my money in those pockets.
0: Um, it annoys me that he doesn't really... He, he releases movies that don't get cinema releases in our country, though. Yeah. I've never seen one of his movies at the cinema.
1: No. That doesn't bother me too much, to be fair. Um, but, and let's be honest, I really like Werewolves Within. I think Werewolves Within is quite well shot. I don't think the plot's great. I don't think the writing is fantastic. I think it is a sh- Shockingly beautiful film, though.
0: I think it's a fucking massive downgrade from Scare Me. Sorry, Josh.
1: But Josh didn't write or write this, so I'm not that bothered. Josh didn't write Werewolves Within, but he yeah, did but direct even, it. Yeah, I but mean, the thing is, is with Werewolves Within, so it was specifically shot in. I don't like. This is just me learning how of a for it. Specifically shot in wide, so if ever like you do watch it on a widescreen viewing and you can still see the actual whole film, the framing used and the use of space. And, like, the way, like, you'll be focused over here, but because it's, like, the shot is so long, there's a door over here and you can actually see, like, other characters having a conversation that, like, if you're not watching it to its full potential, it's cut out of shot. Like, Mm. a lot of people will probably never see that. But he put the effort in to make sure that that would be in the shot so that if you did view it as intended or you've just got a ridiculously big TV, that is there and it is, like, that extra part that you get to see. And then obviously the fucking masterpiece that is scare me. The way that film is shot and directed like I, people are probably sick of me banging on about how much I fucking love Josh Rubin at this point. I don't. His think...
0: fiance, especially. His,
1: yeah, <laughs> I, his wife now. I think.
0: Oh yeah, maybe maybe they're married. I I'm don't pretty
1: know. sure they got married, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw him on his Instagram. Um, stalk alert. When I just follow him on Instagram, babe.
0: You follow him. I follow, I follow him everywhere. Somebody's watching <laughs> him.
1: Um, it's
0: my wife in his bushes. <laughs>
1: But like, I like, I know people are probably sick of it at this point, like I do bang on about the scare me, but I don't think... So, I will say here and I will tell you, I don't give a flying fuck about directors, I say it a lot, I don't really care. I go and watch a film for the plot, or like, the story, I, or whoever's in it. For the
0: plot, insert picture of hot dude of the month here.
1: Exactly, <laughs> the plot is very important. Um, but, like, that's what I go and see a film for. I don't sit there and go, oh, well, I'm going to go watch this film that is so outside of the realms of things that I would normally watch because this director has done it. Yeah. Like, I would never do that. I Aside from maybe Guillermo del Toro, but he tends to make films that are quite in my wheelhouse anyway. Yeah. And I have skipped quite a lot of his films. Legitimately, Josh Rubin could say tomorrow, I'm going to make a torture porn film. I'd probably go and see it. I fucking hate those kinds of films. Yeah. I'd probably go see it. Because there is something about Scare Me that really changed, not how I view directors as a whole, but really like put Josh Rubin in my brain of like, he does something. Mm. Not entirely clear what it is, because I don't really understand directing, but he does something that just makes a film...
0: For me. He he feels like if we like we do this all the time when we look at like oh this person's the next this director like he feels a lot like Sam Raimi like he does a lot of stuff in his films and you could tell that because of how much he fucking loves Darkman and he talks about the Evil Dead and stuff but like he feels like when you Keep look at when you look at like Sam Raimi's early films like the Evil Dead movies and you look at like um, Darkman and stuff like that. He uses a lot of the same, like, spatial awareness and, like, the same kind yeah. of, like, use of shadows and POV shots and shit like that to kind of, like...
1: <laughs> like, I don't... I, I think it's one of those things. Like, I know you you at this point are probably sick of me just basically being like, John Raymond! but this is a fucking YouTuber who came from college humour. Be very clear. He's from CH. He's a YouTube funny boy who somehow has...
0: Also shout out Chad, Matt and Rob
1: who also has somehow created Scare Me. Yeah. Like, Where Within is really good, and it is wonderfully shot, and I do, I will always appreciate the way he directed that movie, but there is something about Scare Me Mm -hmm. that just is so perfectly shot. And it's also, like... And the use of light and shadow and the way things... are, man...
0: I think it's because he approached it and, like, he did. I, I think he talked yeah, a little maybe. while ago about how he wanted to make it like a play and how it could be performed as a play. And I think that's why it works, is because it's like a two.
1: It's a two man play.
0: Three person play. Three man play. Yeah. Chris Red pops up at some point.
1: Yeah, but, like, for the majority yeah, of yeah, the yeah. film, it's a two person play. But yeah, like I honestly do think that Josh Rubin will be one of the A directors that I like. Legitimately, would sit there and go, "I'll go see it." Yeah, I like, I want to see this film because it's Josh Rubin.
0: It's it is fascinating though how many like directors come from like YouTube. Like, look at Carl um, Edward Ball who made *Skinnerink*. He was doing like little YouTube videos based on people's nightmares. The kid, uh, what's his name? Something Pixels. The kid who made the back rooms. Like he's just been given a fucking
1: thing is that like movie. Normally, you see like horror movie directors coming from YouTube and like they've done horror shorts on YouTube, whatever. Yeah. Josh Rubin was in College Humor. I don't think you quite understand College Humor. Okay. Which is it's the dude bro of comedy shows. Is it like Funny Netflix. or Die stuff? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. In fact, I think Funny or Die is a College Humor sketch. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's the dude bro of YouTube shows. I love college humour. This is not me just it because I, I did spend a lot of my teen years watching college humour, mm-hmm. which is really weird because I don't remember Josh Rubin being in it, but yeah. I'm just assuming it's because he was younger. Yeah, <laughs> my brain hasn't he, didn't, quite he, didn't, he didn't have to a beard. Um, I'm gonna have to go back. I, feel, I do feel like I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch my my favourite mm-hmm. college humour sketches to see if he's in yeah. them. Yeah, and then I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's lucky Josh Rubin. Um, but yeah, like, it just. And the thing is, he directed quite a lot of College humor stuff as well. Like, Mm -hmm. he was directing back then. But, like, it's just weird to me that this is the man that has somehow made me decide, oh, maybe directors are worth something. Yeah. It's fucking... Maybe it does make a difference.
0: Yeah. Like, it is fucking weird, though. Like, I don't know about you, because as you've stated many times in this episode, you don't really care about directors. But, like, I found this possibly the hardest list that we've ever had to do. Because... Horror in the last 20 years, so from the age of 18 to the age of, like, 38 that I am now, like, horror had such a massive impact, like, on me. And, like, you look at the amount of directors that have come and go and made work in the last 20 years. Like, there's so many people I could have put on this list. Alexander Arger, I could have put, like, Neil Marshall. I could have put, like, um, you know, Zach Kroger, who did Barbarian, Ari Aster, Josh uh, Jordan Peele, um, Robert Eggers, Jennifer Kent, Freddie Alvarez nearly made it on my list. It's like you know, and then Josh Rubin, like Gigi Sol Guerrero, yeah. like well, all the people like, we've the already thing talked is, about. Is
1: I didn't find it difficult to put together. My top five mm. were basically always going to be. I my nearly top made five. this top
0: ten list, very nearly because of that. But reason. like, I
1: really struggled after that point of like. I don't know enough about directors yeah. to really make those decisions. Like, I knew straight away who my top three were going to be, yeah. and then, like, my brain went, Oh, yeah, those two as well. You do, like, quite a lot of stuff they've done. Mm. And I was like, Oh, yeah, that makes sense. But after that, because directors just don't mean a lot to me, it's really difficult to do yeah. this like this because I'm like, A, I haven't seen that much horror overall, especially not modern horror, and B, it could have been directed by a fucking pineapple. Yeah like you know what that's I mean, where like, me and you that's very, not very much me differ. dissing like directing I'm sure it's a very difficult job and like the people who do it are very good but like you could sit there tomorrow and say oh yeah you know fucking near dark it was directed by Rez Qua- Craven I'd go yeah sure do you know what I mean yeah, yeah, like yeah. I wouldn't quite I'd just go yeah sure whatever like I shout out know.
0: Catherine Bigelow because that movie bangs
1: yeah <clears throat> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could be like, Oh yeah, fucking John Carpenter directed Tucker and Dale and I'd be like, Yeah, sure, why the fuck not? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah Like yeah. I wouldn't my my brain wouldn't even question it because like when I go and see a film, the way it's shot is very low on the list of things that I give a shit about. Yeah. Like, I want the plot to be good. I want it to have characters in it that I like. I want the actors to be good at their job. Like, I want mm. very good actors in everything that I watch. Like, I want the script to be good. I want it to have a great soundtrack. Like, kind of bottom-ish of my list yeah. is the director. Because while I do know that it does have an effect on the film, I feel like you can have not a great director as long as everything else is great. Like, the script's great. You've got yeah. good actors. That film can still be good. It can mm. still be a great film. Yeah. Whereas if you had a shit script, but a great director, that is going to still be a yeah. shit film. But so, like, it does have an effect because of the way they shoot. It does make a difference. But I do feel like on my list of important things in yeah. a film, director are very, very, very low down. Like, producers. I don't even shit who produced a film. <laughs> I don't care.
0: But I just think it's, like... I just think it's really funny when we were putting this list together, like... And I was looking at all the directors. Like, the directors that were influencing me when I was, like, 18. And I was trying to write a horror script. And I was, like you know talking at like I was having conversations with my friends at that time like about movies that I was going to make and like people that I wanted to emulate and stuff like that and I'm like looking at it now and I'm like it always fascinates me when people go oh well horror doesn't make any money at the box office or horror is not an important genre or there's no good horror filmmakers and I'm like you look at the last 20 years and every couple of years there's been a the next great voice in horror, like we had the cycle, like I said, with Rob Zombie, Arja, like the, Eli Roth, and then now we're the in the like thing the thing that
1: really gets me with stuff like this is like people block, like, oh, like it's the next great voice in horror, like this movie is fantastic, it's so scary, it's this, 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 and this, and I'm like, that's great, they pick some fantastic light and they line that shot up really well, but the voice of that movie comes from the script, and I do feel like script writers don't get any of the credit f- for the films that they make yeah like that film it could be the most gorgeously shot film on the planet i'm looking at you hellraiser stunning absolutely stunning the script just wasn't where it needed to be yeah that film for me bottom of the barrel i would really have really not great
0: i would have given that film another draft of the script yeah at least. do
1: you know what i mean like, but, like, people will... All of that pressure then gets put on Bruckner. Mm. And the thing is, is he will come under fire. And I'm guilty of doing it. I try my hardest not to, but I'll be like, oh, it's a really bad film. It's Bruckner's fault. Bruckner had fuck all say in that script. He shot a magnificent film. Mm. The scriptwriters failed him. Hugely.
0: Yeah. But, but also,
1: it, it... on the other hand, scriptwriters never get the credit they really do deserve. Yeah. For the work that they've put into that movie.
0: And it also depends because a lot of, like, modern horror directors tend to be, like, writer directors. But
1: yeah, that's different. Yeah, like, Jordan so. Peele, I will I will come at a fire for that bad ending. And and think, because he wrote, directed it.
0: And I think that's why, like, Rob Zombie comes under criticism. is Yeah, Rob Zombie's movies might look a certain way, but he's the one that's, like, putting all the fucking hillbilly dialogue in there and all the fucks and the cunts and the shits and all that sort of stuff in there. So, yeah, I I understand what you're saying to a degree, like... I think for me like when I watch a movie like there are certain directors that I like watching because you can tell like their style or things like that but yeah I I agree with you like you look at my you look at like mo. like I think I think the I think the distinction between a good director and a non-good director is somebody that can take someone else's work and make a film that feels like theirs. so very little of Wes Craven's work was written by him and very little of John Carpenter's work is written by him but Every John Carpenter movie, regardless of who wrote it, feels like a John Carpenter movie. Yeah, um, and I think, yeah, I think you're right. Like, and I, I, I do really wish sometimes that David Bruckner would put himself in a position where he like wrote and directed, and like Radio. The
1: thing is, he didn't even write Nighthouse.
0: No, but it's the same fucking dudes who wrote Nighthouse who wrote fucking Hellraiser. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, odd. and it's like, it's like with Radio Silence. I wish Radio Silent would write and direct because, again. Like, they're making movies with the same writers. So, like, the screen, the two screen movies they made were written by the same guys. One of those guys wrote Ready or Not. Like, either write your own films or, like, break away and do something well, different.
1: Well, no, no, I don't agree with that. Because Ruben writes
0: I... and directs, doesn't he?
1: Josh Ruben writes and directs. But he didn't write. He wrote and directed Scare Me. He, he didn't, didn't write. write well, he wrote and directed something else, with other stuff as well, I think. But the thing is. I don't agree with that because I feel like being a good director does not make you a great writer. No. And also uh, then we would have to start firing writers because they can't direct. Yeah. And it becomes this whole like it mon- directors then start monopolising the mm. whole genre and it, that's not fair. But what I am saying is that I do feel like when films aren't great,
0: mm-hmm.
1: The blame needs to land where it should land instead yeah. of landing on. It's always the director who gets it in the neck. I'm like, that film was terrible. This director's awful. I'm like, he didn't write it. Like, what is your problem with the film? Oh, it's not. It's not a great script. Well, then why is that his fault? He just directed yeah, it. Yeah, I do. But on the other hand, I have also heard people say that film was great. This director needs all the praise. I'm like, how oh, did you like the way it was shot then Oh no, it was shot fucking horribly but the script was great. Yeah. That wasn't the director. The director didn't write <coughs> that film. But
0: I also think you're missing a key element of that as well, is a good director can take a mediocre script and turn it into a good film. Mm. Like which is something you didn't mention, like a director's job is to get the best out of the script and to get the best out of the actors. So regardless of how good or bad the script is, a director should still be able to like make it work.
1: But also their job is to shoot a beautiful movie. Yeah. Their job isn't to fix the wrong. No, but mistakes. it's also
0: to get performances out of the actors as well. Yeah,
1: but most of the time you can have a shitty script and the actors still do a good job. But like But the script comes across and you're like, somebody actually said those words out loud. But
0: going back to the Hellraiser thing. Like, Riley, on paper, is not a great written character. Half of her performance isn't in the script It's the the performance from the
1: actress. Oh, yeah, no. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, blame should lay where it should lay with the correct people when people start dissing films.
0: But anyway, (laughs) that's enough of that because we will be here for another hour talking about this otherwise. Yeah. Um, So... Let us know, as always, on social media. Come find us, S I M A H F Pod on Twitter. Some horror fan, all lowercase, all one word on Tumblr and Instagram. Let us know what you think of our lists. Who would be on your list of top modern horror directors? Um, as always, uh, thank you so much for your continued support. Have a great spooky season. Stay spooky. Stay safe. Take care, guys. Bye bye.